how the triopoly, Amazon, Facebook, and Google have market dominance that continues to drive digital advertising prices beyond the rate of profitability for many adv- advertisers. Why companies need to diversify their marketing portfolio to avoid having their marketing over-reliance on these channels. Why partnership marketing needs to be part of every marketing portfolio today. We will discuss all of this and more as today we welcome a founder and CEO duo, Robert Glazer and Matthew Wool. In over two years of these weekly episodes, this is only the second time I've had this amazing opportunity to get two perspectives from the same company on the show. I will shout out APB Securities, Rick and Austin Allen for joining the show. Robert Glazer is the founder and board chairman of global partnership marketing agency, Acceleration Partners, one of the largest, longest standing fully remote workplaces in the world. He is the recipient of numerous injury and company culture awards, including Glassdoor, Employees' Choice Awards two years in a row. He is the author of the inspirational newsletter, Friday Forward, which reaches more than 200,000 individuals and business leaders in over 60 countries each week. He is the number one Wall Street Journal U.S. site today and international best-selling author of four books, Elevate, Friday Forward, How to Thrive in the Virtual Workplace and Performance Partnerships. He's a sought-after speaker by companies and organizations around the world while also hosting the popular The Elevate podcast. Matthew Will is the CEO of Acceleration Partners, and after he joined the company as only the fourth employee back in 2012, Matt served as GM and then president of the company before becoming CEO in 2021. During his tenure, Matt has been a driver of Acceleration Partners' success, including the company's numerous placements on the Inc. 500 list of fastest-growing private companies, multiple most effective agency nods from the Performance Marketing Awards, and numerous Best Place to Work awards from Forbes and Glassdoor. He is a member of the Fast Community Executive Board and is a frequent speaker at Performance Marketing Industry events. I think there's a lot of value headed your way if you can't tell by that introduction. Before we kick off the Shay, let's start with the question. What does entrepreneurship mean to you? Robert, would you mind answering first? Yeah, I, uh, I think the actual word comes from a French root of undertaking. So I, I generally an entrepreneur is, is someone who undertakes something new that hasn't been done or that way. And I think they tend to do it with a very low level of resources. You can take on something new within a company with an unlimited budget, but but uh, that tends to not be as entrepreneurial. I can certainly resonate with that answer. As a solopreneur, we're always budgeting. Where's that dollar going? How am I going to stretch this dollar? How do I exhaust my time? I love that response. Matthew, would you mind sharing your answer? Yeah, I think that's uh, a little bit similar, but I'll add, I think uh, generally entrepreneurs are people who see an opportunity for uh, in an area that is either underserved or not served at all and, and have a solution. Uh, and that, to me, that that's the basis of it. It's like there, there, there's got to be something to solve that problem. And, uh, and I'm going to be the one who does it. Oh, you're going to say emotionally unstable. as you're <laughs> down Well, that, that too, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this segment is sponsored by Bedrock Business Builders, a small business startup specialist. Start, build, manage. Finding solutions, that's all we do. And there's a lot of trial and error. And we're going to learn all about theirs today, their journeys of entrepreneurship. We're going to hear their tips for success and so much more. And with that, I want to welcome you back to That Entrepreneur Show. My name is Vincent A. Lancy, and you can learn more about me on YouTube at Vincent A. Lancy. 
my website, vincentalancy.com, or any of the social media platforms at Vincent A. Lancy. If it is your first time with us, thank you for tuning in. Each week since the end of 2019, I've interviewed the founder of a company or brand to share what works well for them, where and how they needed to improve, and every learning lesson along the way. You never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. For today, we have one guest who founded the company and another who works in entrepreneurship, so the advice is going to be endless. I'm honored to have these two join the show, as it is, again, only the second time I've had the chance to bring on a founder and CEO, so get ready for a -a one-of-a-kind show. Robert, Matthew, thank you so much for both taking the time to join our community. No problem. Right we're we're gonna be we're gonna be better than that one other pair. Just you know, from a comparison. <laughs> all right. I love it. I love the ambition. That's what entrepreneurship's all about. You got to be fired up and ready to go. I would love to start by asking you, Robert, what led you into entrepreneurship, and is this your first company? Um, I've had a few. I don't know if we count like you know college endeavors and stuff. Um, but it's, I think maybe technically it was uh, a second. I think what leads some people into entrepreneurship is the un- becoming unemployable uh, to to other organizations. I think honestly, that's what led me into it. I, I I was sort of an entrepreneur stuck in other companies. I thought I had a better way to do it, and until I went and and, and did it, uh, I, I wasn't going to be um, fully happy. So, uh, in ter- in terms of this company. Um, you know, we acceleration partners is an agency. I was joking the other day with some friends. I don't know a lot of people that started an agency on purpose. They usually were solving a problem. Other people heard about they were solving the problem. They hired another employee, they turn around and suddenly they're running a services uh, business. So that's not a dissimilar uh, story to how we started. Uh, I, I was sort of then getting in over my head, which is where Matt enters uh, in this story. Yes, I know. I, as I did my research and the material that was sent to me, he was the fourth employee of the company. How many employees are we looking at now? Uh, 300 around the world. Uh, soon, 300. Soon well, yep. congratulations on that success. That is certainly admirable. Matthew, let's go over to you now. Was entrepreneurship always something you were attracted to or how did you really get in touch over here? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm actually not an entrepreneur in the way that, that Bob is. You know, he's kind of like entrepreneurship is in his his blood. Um, for me, what it's more about is uh, being able to have direct impact. Uh, I, in my earlier career, worked at, at some very big companies, places like Disney. And while there was a lot to like about those kind of places, I just was always so frustrated with the glacial pace of everything with the, uh, you know, bureaucracy and, you have, you know, forms and triplicate and all that stuff. So uh, for me, it, it's all about, you know, being able to move quickly and, and have impact. And uh, obviously in smaller companies, more entrepreneurial companies, that that's a lot, a lot easier. So uh, when I met Bob back in, in 2008, uh, you know, we, we clicked pretty, pretty well. Where was the meet? Where'd you guys meet? Uh, I was in business school, uh, and he had just started Acceleration Partners, and um, I had. And, his- and as an entrepreneur, I exploited the fact that there were no jobs. <laughs> yeah, uh, for it was 2008, students. 2009, yeah. and there were no jobs. So, uh, <laughs> so he got me cheap at that point for for a summer. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Well, I'm glad you guys met because look at all the good you're doing around the world. Some people like working in person in the office. Some thrive in a virtual environment. Everybody's different. It works for some, doesn't work for everyone, but you have enough people helping this company reach 300 employees, worldwide reach. Let's keep it going. 
Matthew, I'd like to start with you here. What are two of the most difficult parts you find working in an entrepreneurial company? Uh, yes. So I think one of the, the, the first one I would say is that like, there's always way more really good, fun, exciting ideas than there is bandwidth to actually execute on them. So I think one of the most difficult parts is like really figuring out which of the hundred things we could do are the two things that, that we should do. Uh, and, and, you know, when you have great entrepreneurs and really smart people around, it's, you know, there's always more ideas than there is uh, bandwidth to actually execute. So uh, I do think that that's really hard. Uh, I think the other thing that's hard is, is as the company gets bigger, like everyone's dream is for the company to grow. But as the company gets bigger, you do get into stuff that gets a little bit more frustrating and bigger company stuff. And so it's about maintaining the balance, I think, of staying an entrepreneurial organization while still dealing with the stuff that happens when you have 300 people. Um, there's just, you know, there, there's just more stuff that needs to be handled. I can certainly resonate with the prioritizing tasks, prioritizing responsibilities. Something new is always coming up. There's always a thousand things to do. How do you stay focused on that? I love that input. Now for you, what are two of the most difficult parts of being an entrepreneur? Um, I, I think there's, um, we have a coach we work with, uh, Cam Harold over the years, and one of his things was the roller coaster. And I think it, you, you, it really is riding this roller coaster of it's it's very rarely in the middle. It's usually a high followed by a low, yes, followed yes. by a high, followed by a low. So, you know that 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 you get tossed around um, a little bit uh, on, on the roller coaster, and then uh, you know probably from the entrepreneur standpoint, it's never fast enough. <laughs> um, you know, which is also why you need people like Matt, because again, I, I think you can't change your focus and idea and run in a hundred million different directions every day. Like yep. I, I, you know, over the years, I have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs. Some of them had like one successful company. I would talk to them and they would be incubating three more things at the same time. I could then mark on my calendar and call them back 18 months later and all of those things have pretty much flamed out and now their core business is in trouble because they, they didn't pay attention to it. So uh, while those things are, are fun, like as Matt said, figuring out and actually staying focused is, is what wins the, 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 the long game. Uh, you hear that often where we get ahead of ourselves because we are ambitious people as entrepreneurs. We want to do a lot of different things, but you take your eye off the ball. Maybe that company was not ready to be smooth sailing yet. And now you lost all that hard work that you put in for a long time. Thank you for that perspective right there. I now like to ask you as well, what is one of your greatest failures, air quotes, or lessons learned? And why is it still sticking with you? It's still sticking with me because I it's still my biggest failure. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's an ongoing one. And that is... Um, Act, you know, when you have the gut that something needs to be changed or do something different or otherwise, and then you start talking yourself out of it, and then it, you do that much later than you should, and it's always messier. So I, I, I think the hardest thing is the time between you know that you need to do something or make a change, either in your business or some area of your life, and and the time and when you do that. And and as Matt can like probably that. expand upon, when you are building a company and a lot of things change, like you need to make those decisions a lot and, and they don't get easier. Um, but I've, I've, I've generally, it does, I've generally regretted waiting too long to do something. Thank you for sharing that. And there's not, you're not alone in that. And everybody listening on, you might be in that, that phase right now. 
scared to make the leap to make that change because change can be scary at times. But take firsthand experience right here, how he did make that jump. And now his company has 4X, 8X, you name it, 300 employees. I'm so proud to have them on the show. Now let's ask you, what is one of your greatest lessons learned? Matthew? Yeah, for me, uh, it's about people. You know, obviously the, the founder, the entrepreneur is the one that that has, um, you know, the idea and the vision and, and drives it. But ultimately, like, we, we need to have um, great people around us. And uh, I think not taking enough time to really vet people and, and make sure that they are the right fit for the culture and the organization and the role uh, has bit me a bunch of times and, yeah. uh, it is now something that I'm fanatical about. So I would just say like, you know, never just hire someone because you met them once and, 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 uh, you know, uh, you, you drive for a half hour, like you, you need to really pay attention and get into the details and go through the process. I can relate to that as well. I, on my third book, I was looking for an illustrator, and I had put on my Facebook, LinkedIn, hey, I'm, I'm looking for songs. I like to keep it close knit. I want to have a referral of somebody. But my mistake was I didn't see, I didn't have any referrals, any recommendations. It was the person, it was her son or whatever. And she was a very respected doctor. And so I took that as, all right, let's hire you. Didn't request a portfolio. I just said, let's do it. Accountability issue, accountability issue, accountability issue. And all of a sudden I was five months out. So now I do a little more due diligence as well. I see some past work. I get a recommendation from somebody else and go from there and hope that you won't get bit. But if you don't do your due diligence, you are hurting yourself. Thank you for shedding light on that. I think that's a big area that we need to remember as we start to scale, we get excited, we make a couple of hires and you don't want one that can bring down but the company culture, which you th guys there's, talked about. There's also an issue, <laughs> so I'll agree with this, that that charismatic extroverted people are very good at interviewing. <laughs> they're That's often, right. <laughs> they're often, yes. you know, the, the, the big hat, no cattle when it comes time to, to doing the actual work. So I think a lot of people fall for the interview rather than the body of evidence or, or work. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, if I'm hiring someone, I'm hoping that they have a uh, good past work. I'm hoping this isn't something new to them and I'd love to see that work. I want to see, how you're going to do it, what you did. And sometimes people are all talk. I can relate where I think one of the hardest parts of entrepreneurship for me is my BS meter detection, where I, you get fed so many possibilities and how someone can help you, how someone can do this for you and that for you. And then when it comes to follow up, I'm often disappointed. Can you relate to that, either of you? Yeah, definitely. And I think that one of the issues, A, you know, entrepreneurs want to move fast, as Bob just said, right? We want we, we want things to go fast. So we don't want to take the time to sit down and really, you know, do the due diligence. But also, um, look, people are naturally attracted to people who are like them. Yeah. And so when you are meeting with someone about a job and they are, you know, we were talking before the show, we're both Jets and Yankees fans, right? So like, I might just hire you because, you know, you can't be a bad guy or a Jets fan and a Yankee fan, right? And, and I think a lot of times, frankly, like those are the things that people are feeding into their decision making, which aren't the right things. And for example, I would yeah. never hire the Jets fan because I'd be like, look, this person doesn't know how to cut their losses. Like, I don't want, I don't want some of my team who doesn't know how to cut their losses and move Bad on. Bad life choices. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with the Red Sox, just more yeah. of, you know, per, how they, how they approach decision making. I'm going to have to counter that. 
and say, if you have a Jets fan interviewing, we have the loyalty. We have the loyalty that you need for your company that we're going to stay with you through the tough times because for through us, the poor performance, right? That's, that's yeah, exactly. every year. Yeah. It's a, you know, every year it's the new song, our best seasons, the off season every year. It's the same thing. <laughs> we got a couple of good free agents hype us all up and then injury one injury two loss 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 we know how that ship sails but let's stay on you while we have you here mr red Sox. if you could choose to have a conversation and sit down with any entrepreneur throughout history who's your choice uh you know actually i think we were going to talk about this person but i always said really interestingly like I don't like flying Southwest Airlines. The value prop doesn't align with me liking to not wait in line, get on the plane, know what my seat is, exactly. get upgraded. But I, I have always been so impressed with how Herb Kelleher built that airline when everyone tried to put him out of business and did it by breaking all the traditional rules of the airline industry, which is you fly different types of planes, you fly out of big airports, you yep. fly hub and spoke, you hire experienced people, you know, none of these things were, were true. And I always, it was always on my list of like, I'd love to have a dinner with him. And, and I think he died two years ago. Uh, and, and so um, that'll still go as a, a, as a mild regret. All right. Love the selection, Matthew. Yeah. I'll take a, a slightly different angle on this one. Like the people that I am fascinated by um, and Bobby kind of alluded to earlier, like entrepreneurs with little resources, right? The people that I'm fascinated by are all these people who live in third world countries in abject poverty, and they create incredible entrepreneurial ventures because they have to, right? And like, uh, there's a, a platform that I've been a part of for a year called for years called Kiva, where you can like make micro loans to entrepreneurs in other countries. And if you go on that site, you can just see like all these people that are just again like they're seeing there's not this service, and I don't have any money, but I'm going to go and like do this service and I'm going to build a business because because I have nothing else to do. And I've always found that fascinating. And I think that that it's an underrepresented group and we can learn a lot from people who are doing that all around the world. What was that service? Can you repeat that please? Uh, Kiva, it's called. K-E-V-A? Uh, K-I-V-A. K-I-V-A. Yeah. All right, thank you. I, I'm definitely going to yeah. check that out after the episode. Everyone listening on, that sounds like a great place to learn more about entrepreneurship. But back to you, Robert. If you could pick any location for this meeting to go down, if you were still with us, where are you picking? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Uh, you know, I picture Herb as like a old school steakhouse, smoky steakhouse sort of guy. And well, I wouldn't want to sit in a smoky room. Like I would want it to be in an authentic uh, situation. I don't know. Maybe their first office or or, or something like that. It's like I always like learning the history. Yes. I, I, you know, it, it's very different. I, I like the podcast, how I built this, because I think you see these really successful companies, but you don't hear the story of like the week when they almost went bankrupt and, and, you know, working through that first terrible office before the nice one. And I, I think those are like the historical stories. So some sort of historical context to the meeting. The, the, the FedEx story, right. Where he, he took his last money and went to Vegas. <laughs> that one, I actually don't. No, but I, what did I hear one last week? Where is that yeah, Fred just, Smith, the FedEx? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, a, he's a U.S. veteran. I know he was the spotlight story. I tried to go in to resonate for a a veteran that was on the show, and you may have gotten a little preview of everyone listening on. That is where we're going today. Today we're going over the South Airlines co-success story with their two founders, Rollin King and Herb Kelleher. Southwest Airlines. Established in 1967, and it's the premier low-cost air carrier in the U.S. At the time of this article written, they had 579 airplanes and flew between 
89 destinations as of 2013. So I'm sure it's a lot further on now. At this point, they operated nearly 3,400 flights per day and generated a yearly revenue of 17 billion with 45,000 employees. Let's get to the history right here for Robert. On March 16, 1967, Air Southwest Co. was incorporated by entrepreneur Roland King and lawyer Herb Kelleher. They came across the idea of starting a low-cost airline between San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston in Texas. Some of the heavyweights in the industry tried to ground them by filing legal suits against them, but after three years of heated battle, the U.S. Supreme Court allowed Air Southwest to continue its services without end penalty. Fast forward March 1971, they became Southwest Airlines Co., operated three Boeing 737-200s across three destinations with over 60 flights per week. And I learned they always put into trouble by other big airlines who did not want their industry-changing strategy to be implemented. The best, the best story is coming up. This is my favorite story. <laughs> In 1973, Southwest was profitable for the first time. So as we're talking about patience and entrepreneurship, we want things right away. And they have been ever so until 2013. The business strategy have been behind its tremendous growth, but when they were focused, when they were forced to fly an empty plane back to Dallas for a weekend servicing, they took advantage of that opening and priced tickets at $10. In the space of weeks, this flight was flying without a spare seat. Their rate cuts did not need any advertisements, but spread quickly through just word of mouth. I think we can agree on and we'll talk about it. Maybe the hardest part of advertising, but it may be the best advertisement to gain. They increased their regular rates from to $26 from 20 and the 10 to $13. Their competitors were forced to decrease their prices as well. But one airline decreased its regular fare to 13 to attract customers off Southwest. We'll wrap this up with when Southwest countered the move by providing free liquor to users opting for the regular rate. Talk about a marketing strategy. I can't wait to hear their take on it. And this resulted in nearly 75% of the commuters choosing to pay the regular fare in order to have available the free available liquor and businessmen, they can report the ticket costs and their expenses, take home the free liquor. Let's start with you, Matthew. I see that smile through the screen. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I, uh, I, I think that Herb Geller in particular is, is a genius. And the things that I really appreciate about it is, you know, they, they've recognized that they cannot be all things to all people, yep. right? They have a, a very specific business focus. Uh, and they have, uh, and as Bob said, like, you know, it, what they do doesn't resonate with him, but it does resonate with a lot of people. And I think that that's, that's correct. I think any company that's trying to do everything for everyone is, is destined to fail. So they found their niche. They've really focused on it and they've done an incredible job. I like how you highlighted that there because I could resonate with the beginning of my speaking career. Yes, my story can resonate with everyone. And I didn't want to miss out on any money. I was young. I was, I was hungry. I was getting, you know, a couple quick gigs right after my grad school speech, but then it dried up and I was scared. Like, I don't want to miss a potential thing. And now I've narrowed it down to mental health and entrepreneurship. I'm really involved with the schools and my books, but now let's switch over to you, Robert. What's your takeaways with this story? Yeah. So the color on the liquor story, a little more color was, so yeah, right. They, they, they realized that, that, um, they couldn't, they'd be out of business in a week if they matched uh, the, the price that the competitor did. But so they but they knew they were all business flyers. So they said, look, you get a bottle of wild turkey if you pay the regular price or you can pay the discount price. And I think three quarters of the people opted for that. And they became the biggest distributor of wild turkey in Texas for like three months. <laughs> and then the other things bowed out. And literally if they hadn't come up with that idea, 
they would have been out of business. They would have like just, you know, run them into the ground. So like that is not something that is taught at Stanford or HBS. Like that is pure sort of figured out. My other favorite story, which alludes to what Matt said, is there was this woman who would write Southwest all the time, like customer service. She'd be like, I hate your tickets. Like, I hate your lining up every week. And she was like a big spender. And finally, they, 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 they sent these to Herb. And they're like, Herb, what, what do you want to do with this? This woman writes this every week. And he wrote, Dear Miss Whatever, I think you'll enjoy flying another airline you know, better than ours. Thank you very, very much, you know, Herb Kelleher. So, I, I, uh, you know, again, it was a great example. I heard someone speak, like a, a business school professor was saying, you could see how like a board member's you know, a partner of a board member flies Southwest, comes back to the board member and says, look, you guys need to have like first class and you need to do this. And, and then they go to change all that stuff. But exactly the stuff that frustrates some customers, like makes their model work. And they made more money from 1980 to 2000 than the entire airline industry. So, uh, you know, to, to your, you know, if, 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 generally I found someone once told me about speaking to that if no one hates your speech, no one's going to love your speech, right? You can either be the like <laughs> nothing to no one or at least something to someone. There's a quote I like where if you want to please everyone, you can just, you could be an ice cream man. And then, yes. And, and then everybody... no, that was Steve's. Do you want to make everyone happy? Do you want to make everyone happy? Yeah. Sell, sell ice cream. I love that. Quote. Yeah. yeah. And that exactly. will make everyone happy, but thank yeah. you both for such an, in-depth response to this article and entrepreneur spotlight story and thank you both for taking the time even though you're a red sox fan i have to thank you for coming on the show i had a great time getting to know you both i loved all the advice you gave throughout and we talked about prioritizing tests just so many things i also resonate with thank you for that i would like now to ask you both where can we find your company where can everybody say hello to you whether linkedin social media please do share sure um yeah I always say like, you could probably Google acceleration partners and find it better than trying to spell out the, the, the <laughs> URL. Uh, if you want to go to it, uh, I have a site at, at robertglazer.com, uh, but you can find our bios on the acceleration partners website and, and, and LinkedIn uh, links and social media and all that stuff right there. Well, thank you for both joining the show again and everyone listening on, be sure to check out all the content and website they have to offer. There is a lot going on out there and check out his books too. We are at Vincent A. Lancey and at That Entrepreneur Show on all social media, YouTube, and my website is vincentalancey.com. My most recent book is Mental Health Week, the go-to book for elementary school students to learn the basics on mental health on Amazon now. And of course, we have to end the show with a quote, and it is from today's Spotlight Entrepreneur. Your people come first, and if you treat them right, they'll treat the customers right. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next Friday on another episode of That Entrepreneur Show. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks a lot.